Welcome to episode four of the Soul Alignment Podcast. Today is a really big, huge, exciting day because we have our first guest on the podcast, um, Jacqueline Michelle. Thank you so much for being here, Jacqueline Michelle. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. I feel very honored to be guest number one. It's very exciting. So exciting. Um, so Jacqueline Michelle is the creator and founder of Interior Creature, and um, she's a human design analyst. So um, I'll make sure to give you all of her information at the end, again, because I'm sure you're going to want it after um, today's episode, because what Jacqueline Michelle is so sweet to do for us today is she is going to put mine and Cassie's human design charts um, side by side and kind of do an analysis of the charts individually a little bit and then a little bit um, together as well. Uh, some of the things that she offers are these readings, of course, and then she has some online courses. She has a blog. So um, if you're into this episode and like into all of this human design stuff and wanting to learn more, she is a fantastic resource. Um, and in addition, she's doing a special promo code, which I'm going to give you at the end of the episode, um, if you want a little discount off of a reading for yourself or for anybody you know. So super exciting stuff. And we'll also put all of her information in our show notes, too. Yes, definitely. Um, we will definitely have it available for you. Um, but while you're listening, if you want to kind of check out her Instagram, which is a good kind of place to begin, it has all of her other information. It is just her Instagram handle is just interior creature. Um, and then her website is interiorcreature.com. She's really streamlined all her handles. So great job doing that too. Thanks. I tried with the branding. Try to make it as easy <laughs> yeah. as possible. That's hard to do. Yeah. It's really hard to find something where you can go across all platforms the same name. Mm -hmm. Well, human design is complicated enough. So I figured let's at least make finding me the easiest thing you can possibly get to. <laughs> yeah. So true. Good point. Um, okay. So we're kind of just going to jump right in. Um, so Jacqueline, Michelle, if you kind of want to just, I touched on your services a little bit um, and tiny bit of what you do, but if you kind of want to just give us um, a roundabout of small piece of how you got into it and then um, of course what Interior Creature is. Yeah, so um, I started off in an industry completely so far away from human design. Um, I, for the first kind of like 20 years of my life, I had that big dream like a lot of kids do. I wanted to be an actress pivoted, um, like someone who has this open self-center, and we'll talk about that in a little while, is known to do. I have had many kind of paths and iterations in my career. Um, most recently, though, I worked in education. I have a master's of science in teaching. I was, um, I used to work with first graders and second graders. And one of the things that you do as a teacher is you take really complex topics and you break them down in like the simplest way possible so that my littles in my classroom, my like six, seven, eight-year-olds, could understand the information. And um, I moved from that transitioning into teaching teachers. And then I moved into the private sector. And just the company, company that I worked for in the past five years, it started out, out as something that gave me a ton of joy. I felt very lit up and turned on by it. And just the past three, three and a half years, I started to kind of notice that I didn't recognize myself anymore, that there were parts of the job that had started to kind of steal my joy. I was giving my energy to something that did not, wasn't in with my integrity, wasn't lighting me up. And as a result, I was getting angry. I was getting frustrated. I was getting bitter. And I really had stopped holding space for myself in my life. I was really 100% focused on getting from point A to point B, getting to that meeting, selling that product or whatever it was. And I had lost touch completely with who I was and what I wanted to do and what I valued. And so 
as I was trying to kind of get that back, I ended up in a lot of Facebook groups and listening to a lot of podcasts, which I love. You guys, podcasts are my guilty pleasure. So it's so exciting to be on one when I get to. Um, so um, I was listening to a lot of like podcasts in the wellness space and on, in Facebook groups. And I remember in one group, somebody had mentioned this thing called human design. And they were like, I ran my chart, you guys. It gave me so much clarity into who I was and what I was supposed to be doing on this planet. Like it answered all my questions. You all have to get your human design read. And I literally was like, it was almost like a ping from the universe. Like I had those questions. I had no idea who I was outside of my job and what I wanted to do and what was going to light me up. So I immediately was like, well, I need to know everything there possibly is to know about human design. I'm a one three in my profile in human design, which is, I, it's an investigator. There's someone who has to like mm-hmm. dive in very deeply and know all the details. So it totally fit. It was very on brand for me to like go in and do all the research. So I ended up buying every book I could get my hands on because when I started to do the Googling, which I think anybody who hears about human design starts down the Google rabbit hole. And yes, starts the rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, tries to find those resources. And it's hard because a lot of people who are certified have a very specific languaging and a very specific um, just way of talking about the different parts and pieces that it's almost like when you sit down at a lunch table and people have like their inside jokes and you feel like they're speaking another language. That's yeah. kind of the way the system is presented in some ways. And okay. it, that drove me nuts. I was like, I can't. I have to know what this means. Like, this isn't happening. It's super dense. When I started looking into it, it's, like, so thick, the writing and, like, the way that it's presented. It's not very modern. It's not modern. It's not helpful. And the guy who channeled the system, like, it reads like a 400-level biology textbook, his book, The Definitive (laughs) Book on Human Design. I felt like I was back in college. I'm like, oh, this is, like, homework. Um, Yeah. But anyway... (laughs) There's just so many people writing about it and like using this very precise languaging that like didn't speak to me. And I'm like, there's got to be an easier way to tell this story. And um, so through doing my research, at some point it just clicked. Like I totally started to understand all the different parts and pieces. And um, being a teacher, I'm very big on like making sure there's equity of access to information. And it bothered me that on some places online, if you wanted your chart to be deciphered, you could run it for free, but no one was telling you what it meant without like super expensive readings or like payment plans or like for $69.95, we'll send you an analysis, but then you get the analysis and it's in that dense languaging. So it's like, I just paid 70 bucks for what? Um, So what I wanted to do, because it was so profound and helpful for me was to come up with a place where people could go. If they like heard human design, it like hit their periphery and they're like, I want to know what this is. There was practical, actionable, modern tools for them to access that would walk them through the parts of their chart. Um, and then, and if they wanted to, and they felt called to have a reading, because everyone, you know, learns in a different way, there was someone who could sit with them in the form of me to like walk them through their chart in that way as well. Right. So totally. I'm trying to, try to have both. Like the, you know, if you want to hack it on your own and that feels good to you, there's going right. to be a, there's a resource bank in my, um, kind of in one of my courses that will walk you through it. Um, or on the website, there's kind of the parts and pieces. Um, on my website, actually, when you click on there, it says new to human design at the top. And there's a really super simple click path you can use that like walks you through the basics. Um, you know, so there's all those different options there. So that's how I found it. And it was funny when I started hacking my own chart, I just wanted those answers for myself. I didn't think right. I'm going to be a human design reader. I thought like, this will tell me what I meant to do. And then <laughs> studying it, it all of a sudden became like, oh, this is the thing that I meant to do. That's for right what now. I meant so, to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was really, it, was, it came about it in a roundabout way, but that's how I kind of ended up here. I love that you're taking all of the information and kind of making it easier to digest because that is the main thing that's missing out there when you really start to dive into human design. So like, and I've heard you kind of talk about how you want to continue to add to that literature on your website. 
So I think that's amazing because it'll be such a helpful resource as people start to dive into their charts. Because mm-hmm. the body gra- mybodygraph.com is a great place to get your free chart. Oh, yeah. But when you get that, it looks so crazy. You're like, what is all of this? So Oh, it's nuts. It's yeah. completely dense. It's so hard to figure out. Like, there's things colored in. There's things that are blank. There's red. There's black. There's lines. And it's like, I, what? What is this? Right, so, right. So yeah. uh, kind of jumping into the next thing and related to this, um, like when you look at these charts, it's like, what is this? So can you kind of try, like, I know it's probably extremely difficult, but try to give us like a general roundabout of like, wh- like what is human design for anybody who has no idea what it is. And we're going to kind of jump in and read these charts. Like, what is it? Yeah. So it's basically, it's a relatively new system. It was channeled in 87. Um, and it basically maps four really ancient like sciences, if you will. I'm using air quotes. I realize it's a podcast. You can't see me. <laughs> uh, sciences um, that are around like astrology, the I Ching, Kabbalah's tree of life, and the chakra system. It kind of takes them all and puts them together and maps them on top of some uh, more contemporary sciences like quantum physics, mechanical physics, biomechanics, okay. um, chemistry, g- genetics, um, and comes up with this master kind of conglomerate system. So that's the like nuts and bolts of it if you're wondering like what it is. Right. I look at it like this way. It's almost like getting a peek at your soul's contract. Um, my personal kind of philosophy is that we, we reincarnate and that every time we're here on this planet, there's something that we're meant to do. There's things we're meant to learn. There's gifts we're meant to give um, and challenges we're meant to go through. And basically what human design does is it provides you almost as if like when a baby was born, if we immediately ran their genetic code, we'd be able to get a sense of what diseases they might be you know, susceptible to or what challenges they might face health-wise. This is almost a map of your energy in terms of like where you're taking in other people's energy, where you've got more consistent fixed access to your own, um, how you're meant to kind of walk through the world and use that energy and an awareness of like what gifts you've been given, but what areas might be challenging as well. So it's so much easier to kind of get a sense of your dharma and your karma that way to know like, okay, so if I'm going through this thing and it's really difficult and it's really challenging, it's ultimately teaching me something because it's getting me from point A to point B. So it helps you kind of go through shadow work to really look at the parts of yourself that are you want to amplify and lean into because they're fantastic. It gives you a guidance and a tool for like, if you're acting in a way that you're like, oh, that's really shadowy or that's really dark, that's out of fear. It gives you the language to understand and articulate yourself in a way you're like, oh, it's because of this. And so here's how I work through it or here's how I push past it. So it's definitely kind of almost like a, like a how-to manual for our soul's journey on the planet. And okay. I, I, I love that. I think, too, for me, like, just going through my own chart, the little bit that I have, like, the deeper I got into it, the more I'm like, whoa, this really just truly describes who I am. And mm-hmm. it takes off that, like, pressure to be, like, for any of my centers that I have open that have been, like, conditioned or whatever throughout my life. It gave me that permission kind of to say, you know, I don't actually have to run this way. That's okay if I'm not consistently Mm -hmm. running this way, you know? Absolutely. And it's so interesting, too, because I think, like, from the moment we exit the womb, we're constantly being inundated by other people's messaging. And that's one of the things human design teaches as well is that, like, and some of it's really well-meaning. Like, we're given messaging from our parents, from, like, family members that totally is well-intentioned. And some of it's not. Some of it's like that kid you had a crush on in fifth grade who told you you were ugly. Like that sticks to us just as hard. So it's like going back through and figuring out what is the messaging that I picked up, you know, over the course of my life and is it serving me? The the system itself asks asks you to experiment. And that's one of the things I really found freeing about it is that in Ra-Uruhu, the guy who channeled it, in his initial writings, he writes very clearly that this is not a belief system. It's not a religion. It's an experiment. 
and like try out these different ways of being. Try out, try out stripping back some of this stuff that's not supposed to be there and see if your life doesn't increase in flow. See if you don't have more energy. See if you're not getting better results. And um, it just, it's, it's beautiful the way that our, that experiment works. I, I had the same kind of experiences you did where I like when I read my chart, I had never seen myself articulated so well. And it gave me languaging to understand myself in a way that I was like, that's why I do that. Or that's where that little, that's where that little shadow voice comes from. (laughs) Oh, I hate that shadow voice. Like, what do I do to like work through it? So it just, it's such a permission giver and permission granted to kind of like get rid of some of the stuff that isn't serving you. But I also think it's a great map for really doing that introspection, that self-awareness, that self-analysis to go, okay, so if there's a gate that's a fear gate, how is it showing up in my life? And how am I like on my bullshit and, you know, behaving in a way that maybe isn't serving other people or isn't serving myself? Um, Yeah, I just love what you said about it being an experiment and kind of like pulling these things back away from your life and then seeing how they affect your life. Um, Because where my head immediately went is it's like, it's almost like the whole 30, but for your soul, like let's remove these things. Let's like strip away these things. Let's add them. And then let's see how our life changes, which is like, you know, it's just like making changes in your life and then seeing, seeing what happens and then like figuring out what's good for you and for your soul or for your body, you know? I'm totally stealing that analogy for you from you. That's <laughs> absolutely perfect. Yeah, it's a whole sort whole 30 for the soul, 100%. Because there's things we don't even realize we've been carrying with us. Like so many times I sit with clients and I'm like, here's how, like, how you're like, say your root center is meant to be behaving. And they're like, oh, that makes so much sense. Cause here's what I've been doing for 30 years. And this isn't actually the thing that feels the best. And Oh, it's such permission granted to like, stop doing that other thing and do this other. Yeah. 100%. yeah. Okay. Amazing. So let, I mean, um, let's jump into chart analysis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, yeah, great. absolutely. Um, so however, however you want to start with that is totally cool with us. Awesome. So I always start with people's centers. I think like as human design's having kind of like a moment in the wellness space. I feel like people are starting to kind of dig in. And I know that the kind of the sexiest way to dig in is looking at your type, but our type is expressed through how our centers are, are set up. So basically for, I know, cause this is such a visual medium. I want to kind of paint a picture for your listeners. Okay. Um, imagine uh, the chakra system. And if you know where, if you're familiar with the chakras, you know, we've got our, our crown chakra and our third eye. Human design almost takes your, your chakras, but breaks them up into nine instead of seven. And so in the chakra system, we talk about how our chakras are either open or they're blocked. And human design looks at it a little bit differently. Um, our centers in human design are either open or closed. And places where they're open, that's where we're taking in other people's influence. There are places that are a bit more plastic, more malleable, more flexible. And we're more open to like the conditioning, the programming, the influence, the messaging of other people. Whereas anything that's closed in our chart we have more fixed, consistent access to like that characteristic, that trait, that way of working, that energy. And so one of the things that's really beautiful is, um, one of the things who writes about is that we're meant to kind of influence and impact each other through which we have open and what we have closed. So they work really well together. Um, like one of the things in your charts, I noticed one of you has a closed mind center and the other one has theirs open. And I was like, that's the perfect combination because we kind of need that, that definition. We can lean in to the definition someone else has and get some of the traits and energy from them. Whereas like what the open center brings helps the person with the closed center as well. So there's this beautiful kind of symbiotic relationship between where we, where we're open and where we're closed. And so if you, if your listeners were to like play along and they wanted to go to a website like mybodygraph.com and run their chart, what they would initially see is it looks like the outline of a person and there's nine different shapes 
And some of your shapes are colored in and some of them are, are blank, right? And so mm -hmm. on the sidebar, there's something called a chart properties and that'll list where you're open and where you're closed. And okay. so I always take people through their closed centers first because as those are the things about yourself that are almost like those instant points of recognition where you're like, yes, that totally means true to me. Um, okay. And you actually, both of you have a ton of definition in your chart. Um, you both have, um, Cassie, you have five centers that are defined and Tess, you have seven. And so there's a lot about you that your highest self decided like was going to be consistent, was going to be fixed, was going to be very kind of like set okay. in stone when you walked onto the planet. So right. one of the things you guys have in common is you both have your self centers defined. And I had to laugh actually. So typically when I go into readings, I don't Google my clients. I don't want to know anything about them. I want to just analyze the chart. And then when I sit with them, it's like beautiful with the way the synchronicities come up. But before, but it was, what was different here is because I've been listening to your podcast. And so I had some guesses that I wrote down before I ran your charts. And one of the things I guessed was that you both had a defined self-center and you <laughs> totally both do. And that just means that you guys, cause it comes very clearly through in how you speak about yourself. Cause you're very self-aware people with a, um, a closed defined self-center tend to know who they are. They know where they're going. They know what they value and they have like consistent access to what that is. And even though cosmetically that might change, it might mean you change careers once or twice, or maybe you, you know, your family situation changes. At the end of the day, you still have like a very easy access to your own moral code, your own ethics, your own values, like where you see yourself going. Um, I'm a little bit different. Mine's opposite my chart. Mine's open. And so I always use this analogy with people with their self-center. Um, I'm like a little ship in the middle of the harbor. And like, remember those old timey ships with like the sails, I'm kind of at the mercy of where the winds of life take me. Like the waves okay. are going to take me what somewhere, the winds are going to take me somewhere else. And I kind of need to be okay being adrift by myself because that's how I figure stuff out. Like I need to let the storms come and kind of let them knock me about a little bit. Um, with you guys though, you're the harbor itself. And so the harbor is very permanent. It's very like unchangeable, but there might be things about it that do change cosmetically on the surface. Like you might like knock down a warehouse and put up a restaurant, but it's still at the end of the day, a harbor. So you guys just kind of know who you are at a very deep level. You know what was within your integrity and what's not. Um, and you always can kind of access that. So that provides safety for other people. You might notice there's people in your life that love to hang out with you because they have an easier access to who they are and where they're going and what feels safer to them when they're around you. So I always say like with you guys, you kind of need to do a life laundry every once in a while and make sure there aren't people who are like barnacles on your dock, like who maybe aren't safe in the fact that their self center is open, that they're kind of out here adrift. And like, like I know I'm going to wear many hats over the course of my life. I'm going to have different career paths. I'm going to have different like relationships and my values themselves might change. Like I might feel very strongly about something one day and then be in a different set of circumstances. And that's just going to evolve and being open to that journey. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just the way I'm kind of built to be, but people who don't, who have a lot of shadow there, who've taken in a lot of conditioning there tend to find people like you guys and almost like cling on for dear life because you make them feel very safe and they feel like they know who they are better when they're around you. And that can be really helpful <laughs> for that person for a while, but you don't yeah. want to like, that needs to be a symbiotic relationship. You need to be getting something back right. out of it as well. Totally. Totally. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. And you both also have your, your sacral defined. So both of you, so Cassie is a, um, is a generator and Tess is a manifesting generator. And so, um, there's a, there's a little bit of a difference between the two things. So the generator just basically means anyone who's a generator has their sacral center defined. Um, manifestors in human design have their throat center defined and have a motor attached to it, but they don't have their sacral defined. 
manifesting generators are almost like the generator mom and the manifester dad had a baby and the, the hybrid came out and it was both. And so manifesting <laughs> generators have their sacral defined, but they also have their throat center connected to a motor. So they have this like pressure and energy coming into their kind of throat to manifest things and call them into the physical plane. So okay. manifesting generators get a little bit, it's almost like they've got two kind of sides of their DNA and they're kind of like, they want to express themselves and initiate, but they know they're not supposed to because they're a generator. So like they have this kind of back and forth in terms of like, how they walk through the world. Um, so like you both have, you both have <laughs> yeah, you both have your sacral defined. And so that's where we're all in common. I'm a generator as well. So you and I, all three of us, we're built to do what we love and love what we do on this planet because the amount of energy we have to put toward it, like our amount of just sheer primal life force energy is so tremendous that if we try to give it to something outside of our integrity, if we try to give it to something we don't love, we burn out very, very quickly. And so then the body kind of like realizes, oh, I can't tap into this sacral energy. Let me go to my root or let me go to your spleen or let me go to any of these places where like the adrenal glands can get stimulated. And we end up with like running on adrenal energy and all this fight or flight response. And it that like saps us. And we end up with adrenal fatigue. We end up with a lot of health problems. And so that's one thing as gen in the generator family, both of you, to just know that like you're built to fall asleep every night exhausted and satisfied. Like it's supposed to, well, at least 80% of the time, no one has a perfect life where it's like every night I feel wonderful, but I right. say 80, 20 rule. Like we're allowed our bad days, but if you're right, right. walking through life where every <laughs> night you're falling asleep and you're feeling exhausted and frustrated and like, like nothing is happening or you, all these blocks and all this resistance been, has been put up, it's because you're probably trying to give that tremendous amount of energy to something that it's not supposed to go toward. Mm. And so the most of our time is supposed to feel like, I always liken it to like going on a really nice long hike where you get back to the hotel after and like everything hurts, but you feel really good. It's like a good yeah. hurt. Um, that's kind of the way we're supposed to burn out our energy each day. And so physical activity can help us with that. Like I know I write and that's how I kind of use my energy, but I can almost feel my body buzzing as I'm writing. It's like I need to get up and do something and like put that release valve somewhere and let that pressure out. Um, yeah, just so I can kind of get through the day and not like go to bed with it ricocheting around in my system. I so relate to the like going to bed like exhausted or just like when you've actually like exhausted that energy and I almost can't do it before that. Mm -hmm. And I love going on trips where like the entire day, like anytime I've been on like a trip where like we're helping in a community or something, you go to bed so just like fulfilled and exhausted. Mm -hmm. You wake up so refreshed the next day. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what I like liken this to is like when I'm spending my energy all day long on something that lights yep. me up, I go to bed fully exhausted, like in a good way, and then I wake up completely rested. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's awesome. almost like being able to like charge a phone at night. Like, you know how yeah. like when we've when our battery hits like 30%, we have to charge it and let it kind of completely rest and renew. So we have a full battery the next day. Like as generators, we're meant to do that. We're meant to have a cycle where like we burn out the energy during the day, we rest and renew overnight, and we wake up with a fresh new battery in the morning. I love that. Yeah, totally. I'm sorry. I cut you off though earlier. I'm, I'm, I have oh, no, throat. you're totally fine. <laughs> I have an open throat center, which means I'm a blurter and I don't mean to be. So like, feel free to be like, girl, stop. Like, it's my turn to stop. <laughs> I, have a, I have a closed one, but I still am that person. I grew up in a family that's like, do you mm -hmm. talk over each other to show like excitement? Mm -hmm. So yep. I actually think that might be in your incarnation cross because you, oh, okay. you have the cross of explanation, right? In your chart? Uh, I can't remember yeah. what my cross so was. Yeah. I think because the cross of explanation tends to be blurters as well just because their, their purpose <laughs> on this planet is to inform and share. And so they don't even realize half the time that they're like over talking or – and I always say like that's why it's important to always remember with people on this planet like intention versus impact. 
that like, I didn't intend to be a jerk and talk over you, but like, cause it's all this energy ricocheting around my system. Right. So it helps us kind of be more empathetic when we're like, is that person, do they really think their opinions more important than me? Or they just like, can't stop themselves. So is that <laughs> how they show love? Like, yeah. Um, but one of the things that's also in common in your charts, both is that you have your emotional solar plexus defined and it's both of your authority. And so mm -hmm. emotional solar plexus authority is, is one of the more complex authorities in my opinion to have because it, it is very, it takes a lot of energy to go through. So you both, when things come your way in life, you have to feel it all out. Like you guys are not good with surprises if it's like a big thing. Like, um, I always say like, if, if to my people who have this defined in their chart, like you need to have the marriage talk before someone surprise proposes to you because that will throw you off completely. Because yeah. if you yeah. haven't had that conversation, you haven't felt through everything you need to feel through with that person yet. And they get down on one knee, you're like, I don't know. And you really, cause you haven't gone there yet. So like the emotional solar plexus needs its time to kind of feel out the wave and everyone's wave is different. And your wave can also be different depending on the situation. I've like read for people where their wave is like, they have to go through the high emotional highs and the low emotional lows. And it takes like an afternoon. And I've been through with people who like, it's a week and they know it's going to take them a week and they need to kind of like be in their low by themselves. So everyone's wave is a little bit different, but it's just your body's way of, of showing you you basically instead of thinking it out, like, you know, some people think that they have to process mentally and they make pros and cons lists. It's almost like right. your body is doing that on an emotional level. It needs to feel out the best case scenario and fill out the, feel out the worst case scenario and go through that wide range of emotional experiences. So when you hit the end of that wave, you're at about 80% certainty. And the only reason you're not at a hundred is because your body remembers the low point of the wave. It remembers when you were in the, nothing is going to work. This is terrible. I hate it. And you're crying. <laughs> you're throwing things in it. Like remembers that kind of bottom. And, but it, but it knows enough because it's been through the entire intelligence of it, that it's like, this is the right thing to do. It's about about 80% certainty. And so you guys need the time and the space to do that. So that's, what's great about the fact that like, a lot of times this, our strategy and our authority is kind of for those moderate to major decisions in life. Like you don't need to go through the wave to figure out what you want for lunch. Like you don't need to go through right. the wave to like, you know, decide to have like a first date with someone or, you know, go get coffee with a new acquaintance. Yeah. Like those are things that are so low, kind of just low priority that that yeah. can just go with what feels good. But those right. like buying a house, starting a family, like you need the time to feel that stuff out yeah. before you, you give your entire energy to it. Yeah, and it, I resonate with that fully, <laughs> totally. It yeah, protects you as generators because it, you're so much sacral energy is behind whatever you decide to do that it keeps you from throwing your energy into something that's not meant for you. Yeah, I think like that's a big one for me with human design too. Like when I learned that, I'm like, oh, I can wait. Oh, I'm never sure. Like I always want to wait. Like, um, and it's so cool because like whenever I have anybody who's also an emotional authority, we'll be like, okay, do you want to go get dinner? Okay. Yeah. Let's decide on this day. And like, well, then let's decide like right before, cause we were like using our sacral. And, um, I, I've learned to not say yes to things when I'm in that emotional mm -hmm. high. Cause I used to just say yes to everything. And then later be like, why did I say yes to all those things? They're not a mm -hmm. yes. Um, but yeah, so waiting 24 hours at least for big decisions yep. and longer if I'm not yep. sure has been so helpful for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's funny that you bring that up, Cassie, because I feel like so, like I used to give myself such a hard time about not being able to just like plan something and commit to it and then do it, you know, but then mm -hmm. like that stuff changes over time. And so yep. understanding that and kind of going into a, a situation um, and like, 
I feel like in the past I've always called it like wishy-washy where it's like, yeah, like maybe, like maybe I'll do that, you know, but like, I think it was, it's just like me giving myself the time I need to like figure it out, you know, Mm -hmm. but. And that wish, that wishy-washy label is so conditioning we get from other people because not everyone's built to do the instantaneous yes. Like people have splenic authority. They know, they know in the moment and it's a yes or a no, and that's just how they have to go. But anyone who is a generator, we, you almost have two kind of bodily intelligences talking to you at the same time. And Tess actually has three because her spleen's defined as well. So it's like you've got three voices <laughs> trying cool. to tell you things. And your authority, so your default is the, the emotional wave is what makes the big decisions. But you are going to get information from your sacral. And it's funny, my emotional solar plexus is not defined. So I just have to listen to my sacral center. And it, you're, gonna, you're either going to feel like expanded towards something or contracted away. And it, sometimes it's got an oral quality to it. So I'm rewatching Friends and I realized that Joey and Phoebe are the perfect. So Joey and Phoebe are the perfect examples of the sacral yes and the sacral no. So Phoebe, you know how like something will happen, she'll go, ooh, ooh, yes. And she'll, right. like, her hands will <laughs> That's yeah. your sacral yes. It's that kind of uh-huh kind of feeling that just comes out orally. And then Joey, you take away a sandwich, you don't order the Joey special with the two pizzas. He's like, no, 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 and he gets really angry. <laughs> That's the sacral no. It's kind of this uh, uh-uh, like, like contraction away from immediate. something. Yeah, and it's immediate, right? And so for you guys, what's really cool when you go into your, your strategy and your authority with your types, which we'll talk about in a minute, you get more than one data point. Like you don't have to wait through. You kind of know how your wave's going to run because you get this little insight immediately from your sacral. So you might feel like expanded towards something and you're not really quite sure if it's a bigger decision, like, okay, I think it's a yes. You ride your wave, it like confirms the yes. Yes. I love that. The sacral can guide you for little things like, ooh, shoes. Oh yes. I want those. They're going to look amazing on my feet. Go with it. Cause you don't need to feel your, unless they're like $6,000 shoes, then you may want to go through your right. wave. Right. Yeah. Cause then go through your wave. Cause that's a big import. That's a big purchase. <laughs> but, um, like for little things, like, you know, you just have to kind of go with sacrally what feels good. And, um, and Tessa's chart's even further complicated because she has her spleen defined as well. And so the spleen, oh my goodness, the spleen, the spleen is the oldest center in our body. It's like the oldest awareness center. And so when we were like, before we were even humans, when we were homo sapiens, born before homo sapiens, when we were fish with legs, like crawling out of the primordial ooze, like we didn't have nine centers in our body. We didn't even have seven. We had like one or two. So we needed something in our body that would tell us, oh my God, that's going to eat me. That's a saber tooth tiger or, ooh, that's my food. And so the spleen though, it still communicates with this flood of adrenaline and this flood of like nervous and stress and fear energy when like it's now an argument with a boss or like a little misunderstanding with a friend. It like, it floods our body with these feelings like a saber tooth tiger is about to eat our head off, right? So it's like disproportionate to the actual experience (laughs) itself, right? And so you might be getting these like, stick to your stomach feelings. Like you might say you walk into like a job interview and you all of a sudden feel this like sick pit of your stomach feeling and you don't know why that's your spleen giving you a heads up that something here is not meant for you. And it's completely neck down. It's not something in the moment you're going to be able to rationalize or figure out what the logical reasoning for it is. You may on reflection later on, but like, don't push yourself to do that in the moment. So you almost get like splenic intelligence coming at you. You've got sacral intelligence coming at you. But again, for those bigger things, it's like, I always say, tell people, thank your spleen, thank your sacral, but like, you're going to defer to what the emotional wave kind of tells you through. Whereas Cass is a little bit different because her spleen is open. So if she walks into a room and she starts feeling like a stress kind of sick to her stomach feeling, she can kind of take a deep breath going, 
that's not my stress to have. That's someone else is having some feelings in this room. And like, I can kind of take from it and get wise because like, oh, there's probably something here I need to be aware of, but it's not supposed meant to live in her body. And it's not actually something she needs to kind of like take with her when she leaves that room. That part has been so important in my life is to not take it, to feel it and go, oh, that's not mine. Mm -hmm. And that's new as in the last year to go, oh, that's not mine. Mm -hmm. I'm going to leave that. And then when I leave it, it's like I, I literally will draw a boundary in my mind and then it's not mine anymore. It's so weird, but it's mm -hmm. like... It's same with the root, but yeah. It's so permission giving because it's it's literally like I think sometimes like I didn't understand my emotional solar plexus. Mine's open. And so I've always been incredibly sensitive to how other people are feeling. And I didn't know how to draw that boundary beforehand. Like I would sit with a friend who like is going through a problem with like a partner or a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And I would sit with them and literally I can feel their stress. I can feel their anger. I can feel their sadness. And it's, it's eerie because it's like, this isn't my relationship. I'm not, nothing happened to me in here, but here I am feeling all these feelings. And to be able to actually go into that situation first and establish that mental boundary or that emotional boundary saying, okay, self, like it's like Michael Singer talks about in his book, The Untethered Soul. I can sit in the seat of consciousness. I can be like, I'm going to be the experiencer of these feelings, but they're not mine. And I don't need to actually like engage with them. I can like learn what I can from them and then let them go. And it's been so much easier to do that proactively than retroactively. Such a good book, by the way, too. So good. I love, I love that book. It's, just, <laughs> it's I give it to people now. I'm like, oh, I think yeah. you might. Yeah. And it's, it's out of love, not judgment. It's more of like, this transforms me. And I see you're struggling with things I struggled with. Like, read this thing. This will be helpful. Yeah. To yeah. Um, in terms of what you guys have open in your chart, it's actually funny. You guys balance each other out in one of the centers that I really appreciate you do because, um, you both, both have, so Cassie has her mind center closed and Tess has her mind center open. And that I think is such an important dichotomy to have, especially with people who are working together because the mind processes things in such different ways through both of those centers, whether they're open or closed. So the closed mind center tends to have like a very fixed, consistent access of processing information. Like they just have a way that they learn. And that might've even been like programmed into us a little bit as we're kids, right? Cause like we learn how school works and how learning works like very early on. But the person with that mind center closed kind of as like, this is the way they learn. This is the thing that works in their body. This is how they take in information. And then all the information has to be filtered through their own specific experience. I always liken it to like a, a scientist who's got that hermetically sealed processor, like a computer. And the only thing, the processor, it's got tremendous processing power. It's like decisive, it's analytical, it's thoughtful, um, but it can only deal with the data set that's already inside the processor. Then we've got people with the mind center open and we're like plugging that processor into the internet. All of a sudden, like there's all of these more variables and possibilities and, and perspectives that that mind center now can almost do its job and explode a little bit and take those and, and connect them back to, because the brain's a connection seeking device, whether we have the, it open or not, our brain is constantly trying to take new information and map it back to what we already understand. And so when we're able to take like, uh, like with Tess, she's able to come in and say, well, have you considered this? Have you thought about this? What about this thing over here? The, the con to that is it can make Tess incredibly indecisive because like she's not quite sure, you know, where to land because there's so many right. different places to go. Um, mm -hmm. But it takes the, the closed mind center and kind of broadens the data set so they can even increase their processing power. And then for Tess, it helps her actually be a bit more definitive, be a bit more decisive, make a decision, actually land somewhere because she's taking in that energy as well. So I always say both have to exist together so that we don't kind of get stuck in our own loops because the open mind center can get stuck in the loop of like 
I'm never going to make a decision. And the closed mining center can get stuck in a loop of like, my data, my experience is the only experience that's valid. And like, we want to make sure both are kind of pushing and challenging each other. So I love that you guys have this and that you're on a podcast because like, that's so important <laughs> for your listeners. I'm like, that's perfect. That totally makes sense. That's so funny that you say to have like both to have like a balance or it creates like kind of that more openness for both because like all of my close friends have it open. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's funny. And it's funny because they probably lean on you when like, like my friends who have their, their mind center closed, they're the people I call when I can't make a decision. And I'm like, hear me out. And I'll explain all of the, right. you know, probably overcomplicated version of all the different ways I could go. And they're right. like, look here, bam. And they'll say it so definitively and with such confidence. I'm like, yes. Oh my gosh, thank you. Yes. Thank and you. even if it's yeah. not the thing that they decided they think I should do, all of a sudden I've got that clarity because their auric energy is so helpful to kind of get there. Um, but then it's also helpful for, for you if you're going through something where like you're, you're like, I'm just, I'm stuck. I feel like I'm only seeing it from one perspective. Sitting down with someone like Tess, she can be like, well, here's what he's thinking. Here's what the other woman is thinking. Here's what your dog is thinking. Here's what your grandmother is thinking. That guy over there, that's what he's thinking. I know he's not involved, but he's thinking something too. <laughs> and so like, it just, it almost like it explodes and it might be a little bit too much information, but at least it gets you stuck out of the loop. Yes, that resonates yeah. so much because I've literally said to people like, hey, I need an outsider, like someone yeah. outside of my head. I need right. someone out yeah. here to like reflect it back. And that yeah. awareness is so important because I think like, um, there are people who walk through this world who think their their experiences are the only ones that matters. And it's like so good when you see, like that's the almost close, anything on our charts can be taken to a place of good and like, aware, like awesomeness yeah. and kindness and generosity and like all those things we want to aspire to. And anything can be taken to like the superlative negative. And mm -hmm. so the people who walk on this planet who think their experience is the only one that matters, like that's like the closed mindset are doing damage. And so it's so nice to kind of I love it when I right. see people, I'm like, you learned the good lesson. You already know how to work with it. Yay. And it's like exciting. Cause it's like, yeah, it's kind of scary sometimes. Like I've had situations where I'm like, okay, I know I need someone else's perspective because I can't, I've had that experience where I'm like, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird trippy place to be because you're like, I missed it. How did I miss it? I can't see yeah. it. And then you, when it's reflected back, it's like, Oh, okay. That makes yeah. sense. That is, it's yeah. so interesting because I, I feel that like, academy so hard in our relationship and our friendship but like it has worked obviously it's worked for 18 years it's oh. just like served us really well um and it's funny because like I I that's literally exactly what I feel like sometimes like especially when I'm like I just feel like I'm like in this like wave of something and I'm just, I just see so many things and I, yep. I need help in like honing in on something um so that I mean that totally makes sense yeah. And that's why I love human design. It literally gives you kind of a map of like where we need other people and where we need to be by ourselves yeah. and yeah. where, how we kind of are going to interact with others so that we get a better sense of how to navigate our own energy. Um, and what's so cool about your charts is you guys actually have one of the same channels and, um, which was so cool. Cause I think we call people into our lives that either complete channels for us in our, in our charts or have something similar to us because it amplifies our energy in some way. And so it was really neat to kind of see where you guys had the same thing. And so what's cool with your, both your emotional waves is you're not as likely to take in each other's energy that way. So if like, say Tess is going through something and she really needs to talk it out as she feels it out, Cassie's a good person to go to because she's not going to walk away feeling completely drained and emotionally depleted from that exchange because she's got her own emotional energy. Whereas if you and I were to sit down, 
I might need a bath afterwards or like to do some meditation or to have some sort of practice that I would, cause I would walk away like thinking about your problems or feeling through your feelings for a while. And like, that's not the healthiest way to kind of go through it. So it's nice to kind of be able to, yeah, to have that like really, it's almost like a release valve, like releasing some pressure and getting it out there and just knowing who the people in your life it's safe to do that with. Totally. Um, so I also want to tell you about just being the different types you are and where, where the differences are a little bit. So mm-hmm. Cassie is one, something called, we call it a, a, she's a pure generator. So her um, authority is that emotional solar plexus, but she's also got the emotional intelligence or the bodily intelligence of that state girl response kind of helping her out. And so um, Tess, you're a manifesting generator. And so you guys have, again, the same authority and that same sacral, and then your spleen is also giving you information. And what's cool about generators and manifesting generators is they have the same strategy here, and they have the same kind of response in their body when something's not going the right way. Except Tess's strategy has like one extra step than Cassie's does. So you both kind of hear it as generators. Again, we're here to do what we love and love what we do because we have so much just in our body, just like primal life force energy to give to that thing that like, that's the reason it's almost like the universe's way of protecting us from like giving our energy to something outside of our integrity. And that's why the wave is there. You need that kind of pause button to feel out your feelings before you go all in, because once you go all in, go all in you're in, like you're totally ready to do it. Um, oh, yeah. And your body is going to give you and release that energy until the task is completed. And so one of the things you want to kind of check in with is, again, we talked about that frustration at the end of the day. If most of the time you're falling asleep frustrated and exhausted, then something, the thing you're giving your energy to isn't the thing that's meant for you. Um, and you want, so you want to go to bed every night exhausted and satisfied. So our strategy of walking through the world is you guys are built to respond to things. So of the four there's technically four human design types, but there's like a manifesting generator is a type of generator, but I give them their own category because I think y'all are your own unique snowflake as well. Um, and same with projectors. There's actually three different types of projectors. So even though they, there's four types, there's all these kind of subtypes and ways it can express itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so manifestors are here to initiate. They're the kind of the big idea people. They have the big, bold claims, the big, bold ideas, and but they don't have the sacral energy in their chart to follow through with it. So they typically will get started, they'll have a little burst of energy, and then they need people like us to kind of who react sacrally or react emotionally to what they're doing in a positive way to actually take the action and carry out the thing that they put out there into the universe. And so they they have the big ideas, and then we jump in and kind of do the work on the ground to make that thing happen as generators and manifesting generators. Then you've got projectors, and projectors are like the people who kind of are almost like the foreman on the site who take a look and say, oh, Jacqueline, Michelle, you could be doing this so much better, actually. You'd much more enjoy this task. And you're doing this thing. And I think it lights you up kind of, but this thing over there, it's going to light you up in me even more. And I'm like, oh, you're right. Absolutely. So I switch tasks with someone. Um, And so they kind of get a sense of how to guide the energy. And they don't do it by giving directives. It's really cool. They do it by asking questions. So they might come to you and say, well, how are you feeling about doing X, Y, and Z? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. How would you feel about doing this over here? oh, that feels better to me. And then they, I've made the decision and they've guided me there, right? Then we have reflectors, which are like our canaries in the coal mine. They're kind of like our spiritual, emotional barometers. They're the people on the site where we're all doing the work where they're like, Jack and Michelle looks really tired. Or Cassie looks like she needs a nap. Or, you know, Tess looks like she's about to cry. And they can tell kind of very quickly where everyone's at. And they kind of, if they start looking sick or tired or peckish or, you know, upset, 
we all screwed up in some way because they kind of like, they let us know kind of very quickly and physically how everyone is doing. And so all of those types kind of are supposed to work together within a community to have, to make things happen. So as generators, our job is to respond to things, right? And it doesn't need to necessarily be a task we're given by somebody else. And I think that's one of the big misunderstandings of human design is that we can't create things that are our own or launch things that are our own. We absolutely can, but we need to make sure that we're actually responding to something that's out there. So I always give my clients, there's three kind of litmus test questions you have to ask yourself as a generator before you take action. Am I answering a question? Am I addressing a need? Am I filling a void? And if you can say yes to any of those things, you're not initiating because manifestors don't care. Like their body is just like, so go, go, go that they'll take action on something. And then later on when we, they have one of us try to kind of like help them act it out. We're the ones who realize no one needed that thing. No one asked that question. That's not a void. Anyone's asking you to fill. And like the project kind of dies right there, but that's okay because they're already on to the next thing. Like there's, they don't have that giant sacral kind of investment already made. So if we're going to put our tremendous amount of energy behind something, there's got to be a purpose for it. And it's got to either serve our highest good or serve someone like the greater good of society. And so it keeps us kind of from doing things out of ego and doing things out of that me first energy by asking ourselves, well, am I addressing a question, either a question I have or someone else has? Am I addressing a need that exists out there? Am I filling a void that needs to be filled? Because then that's appropriate, like an appropriate kind of um, place to put all that tremendous energy. I love those questions. Those are really good questions uh, for determining like when we're moving forward with something. Because I'm always like, am I initiating? Am I initiating? Yeah. Is this considered initiating? Um, because when I do initiate things, sometimes it does end in that frustration. I've had that in my life. And so like there, I think learning about human design almost gave me a little bit of a like fear around that. Like, am I initiating this? Am I initiating this? But um, I love those questions because they're a great, like simple um, way to start thinking about that, you know, as we're going forward yeah. and starting things. And it's interesting, Cassie, because in your chart, you and I both have a strong third light energy in our profile because you're a three, five and I'm a one, three and a mm -hmm. huge part of our life is trial and error. We're actually here. Yes. <laughs> so we're actually meant to kind of make mistakes to learn. And so the fact that you kind of have initiated and realized, oh, that wasn't right. If you and I had had this reading 10 years ago and I had told you, okay, those are your questions you would have had to mess them up to be able to learn it. Like those yeah. people who have that third line energy in their charts. We don't do well with other people's advice. We're like, Thank oh you. my gosh, I, I've said that to someone else. I'm like, sometimes I just have to walk into the fire yep. to learn for myself because I have to experience it myself. Yep. Even if you're telling me like that's fire, yep. don't walk into that. I'm like, okay, but like, maybe it's not that hot sure. for me. Yeah, yeah like, exactly. exactly. Like, well, maybe I can walk through it. Yep. And then, <laughs> come out anyone with a third line needs to have like lived in their body experience to learn things, right? So they're not the people who do well with other people's advice, other people's, you know, um, and this especially happens in dating. I always notice that's where I express the most. Like your friends could tell you you're dating the same guy over and over again, and it's a destructive pattern. But until you realize and discover I'm dating the same guy over and over again as a destructive pattern, it doesn't matter how many people say it to you. You have to live and have that experience yourself. It's how you kind of best learn. Um, totally. Wait, that's not me. <laughs> no, well, you actually, you do. So actually, Tess, which is really interesting, you have a strong six line in your profile. So Cassie's a three, five, which is you are a, um, part of your energy on this planet is a martyr. And part of it's this heretic, um, expression, which we'll talk about in a minute, but, uh, Tess, you're a six, two. 
And anybody who has a six line in their uh, design lives the first 30 years of their life as a martyr. And so both of you being like on the verge, I don't know, has your Saturn return happened yet? Or are you on the verge of it? Or Because I know it happens in like two chunks. Do you guys know where you are in terms of your Saturn return? No idea. Okay, that's something that I- Close, I'm guessing, or yeah. I don't know, though. I'm yeah. you guys astrological homework. So look up your natal chart <laughs> and take a look at where your Saturn return is going to happen. So it's when Saturn goes back into the house where it was when you were born. So oh, okay. typically it happens for us around the time we're like 27, 28, and then we get another burst of that energy around 30, 31. And so you guys are either in the cusp between your Probably Saturn right return, around there. Yeah, or, or you're kind of in the middle of it. Um, and so basically- birth to 30 for anybody who has a six line or anyone who has a three in their chart is all trial and error. It's okay. all like running yeah. the fire, learning things for yourself. The difference okay. is that Tess gets to have this next 30 years of her life. So 30 to 50, where she gets to have this role model part in her life where she goes up to the roof metaphorically. I always think of like yeah. birth through 30 as I lived in New York City for ages. And so like if you're in New York and you're on, like say you're in the middle of Times Square, there's sights, there's sounds, there's all this stuff going on around you. You're kind of in the middle of it, right? But when you get hit 30, it's almost like you get to go to the roof of a skyscraper and look down on Times Square. And now you have a sense of like why that person over there is screaming or why that cab horn was blaring because you're seeing all the parts and the pieces from that bird's eye view from that higher perspective. So Tess is going to have this part of her life where she actually gets to get some distance and gets to get some perspective and some objectivity, where she's going to stop engaging and doing so much of the trial and error. And she's going to pull back a little bit. And she gets to kind of go up on the roof and like reflect on what she did for those first 30 years and then start turning that lived in her body experience into wisdom. Because once she hits her Chiron return at 50, she gets to come back down off the roof and be the role model. So she gets to re-engage with life and still take those risks, but they're far more calculated. They're far more thoughtful. And people are going to look to her as like the wise woman to like be, provide the guidance, to provide the support because she's been there. And Cassie gets to be a wise woman in a different way. You get to kind of be the one who's like, girl, I have been there. Please listen to me because you remember very viscerally and your whole life is still kind of that. We get better at the risks that you and I take though. I don't get to go on the roof. I have to stay on the ground and just keep running into the fire no. you, you get the, best at it. the thing is like if <laughs> yeah self-aware we get better at it the farther we go yeah. but you get to do something a little bit different uh cassie in your profile because you have a fifth line and the fifth line is the heretic and i always explain the heretic like um john wayne movies you know those old spaghetti westerns were like john wayne is the stranger of consequence and he's like moseying into the town and you can't see it but i'm moseying right now to show you <laughs> and um so it's, and, and there's always a scene in those Western movies where like the saloon is being robbed or the bank is being held up. And so everyone in that room, whoever walks through the door, if there's a gunman with their you know, gun pointed at me and my hands are in the air, whoever walks through that door next, I want to be the hero. And sometimes in the movie, John Wayne is the perfect person to be that hero. Like he's the sheriff from three towns over. So he opens the door of the saloon. He sees it's being robbed. He pulls out his guns, bang, bang, bang. He takes out the bad guys. He's the hero. That's his problem to solve. We don't see the movies where Norm from Accounting from Three Towns Over comes in and opens the saloon door and realizes, <laughs> oh, I was here to audit them. I'm not a gunslinger. And they back back out because it's not their problem to solve. But anyone who's in that saloon at gunpoint doesn't care that Norm's an accountant. They want him to be the person that solves the problem and saves it. So for you going through your life, you're going to have to be very, very aware of like your emotional wave and sacredly what lights you up because people are always going to look to you to be the white knight to come in and, and swoop in and save them, to rescue them, to tell them what to do, to tell them what direction to take. And you have to just be very careful that like, 
you can be that person, that agent of change for people that catalyzes them in the right direction. You just got to make sure it's right for you and in your body. Um, like I was working with a, a yoga teacher the other day and she had a client come to her and they want to do a diet overhaul. And she was like, wanted to help them so much because she has that really strong fifth line. But I was like, so, okay, so tell me about your, your perspective on nutrition. Tell me about your background in that. And she goes, I don't have one. And I said, okay, so there we go. That's not your problem to solve. So like, unless it lights you up to go study that and go down the rabbit hole and gain that expertise so you can help them, if not, referring them to someone who can, can be the way that you express the heretic energy and like solve their problem by passing the baton to someone else who can do that. So that's kind of your tension in your life is trying to figure out, you know, when do I step in and when don't I? And you're going to learn that through like the trial and error of the third line. Yeah. Yeah. That definitely resonates a lot. And I had to learn a lot of that. Like I like when in therapy, you get put up on a pedestal pretty easily. Um, and so I had to be very cautious of that. And, um, I'm pretty good at taking myself off of that now and not being the expert if I'm not the expert. Absolutely. And it's such a, it's such an important lesson to learn. And Tess's other kind of your end of your uh, other side of your profile, rather, with this six life energy, it's balanced out by this two, which is the hermit. So I always think about hermit, the hermit like uh, Merlin from the Sword in the Stone. Like he was totally cool, staying in his little cottage, wearing his cool hat, doing his spells, hanging out with his talking owl. Like that was really great for him because hermits love to kind of be alone, to nerd out about the thing that they love. The challenge is when you're by yourself, you don't know what you're talented to that because you only have that like one kind of lens to look at it through. And so the second line needs other people to kind of knock on the door to your cottage and say, Merlin, you're a fantastic wizard. Can you please come out and help me because I want to pull this sword from the stone to become the king. And so your life is kind of, you get this call and it's this thing where someone recognizes so deeply your talents, your, your gifts, the way you can kind of shift and change people that it forces you to kind of come out of your shell. And that's going to probably start really solidifying during this next 30 years as you're gaining your wisdom. And then when you step into your Chiron return, where people are going to recognize when it's the right time for you to be the role model and you can come out and really profoundly change people's lives because that is your gift in that way. So it's a really kind of cool, I love the profiles in human design because they really give us a good idea of like a longer view because life's runway is so long. There might be things in your right. profiles you look at and you're like, this doesn't resonate to me right now, but it might in 10 years, it might in 15 years, it might in 30 years, you know, if we're all blessed to be here that long. Right. Um, yeah. That so is where that, how that kind of expresses itself. Yeah. So, um, I typically in readings, I, I t sometimes I'll jump around. Sometimes I won't. I like to tell people about their channels as well. So those are a really good place to look in your chart. If you're interested in doing any sort of like unblocking around like fears and beliefs or like patterns that hold us back okay. or like do any sort of work, like integrating your shadow, because there are gates in our chart that are called fear gates and uh, they live in either our mind center, our spleen or our emotional solar plexus. And they basically are like our teachers. I always say in this lifetime, they kind of are the things like our little, like the doubts that we have, the fears that we have, like our ways of kind of the loops that we get into that can hold us back if we don't become aware of what they are and kind of consciously work on them and work through them. And so um, I always tell people about their, either their gates or their channels. So, or both, I try to go through both with people. Um, so in terms of your gate, your channels rather, you guys have the same channel in your chart. Um, whereas Tess has about seven channels, I think activated, which is a huge amount. Um, and Cassie has three. Um, channels, basically what they are, are the, the, it's two centers that are defined connected to each other with energy flowing through them. So okay. in each one of our kind of like centers in human design, 
there are little numbered gates that hang out in each center. And sometimes we've got a bunch of those gates open. Sometimes we don't have any of those gates open. It just depends on, you know, which center it is and where like the stars kind of aligned when we were born. Um, the center, the gates can be in undefined centers that are open. So like they get activated when we hang out with certain people. Like if you ever notice there's someone who like triggers a certain behavior or a certain fear in you, it's because they hang out in their defined centers. And then if they happen every once in a while, like a, a gate at a defined center and its opposite kind of end of the channel both get activated and you get energy flowing through. So you guys both have something called split definition in your chart where you have a group of your centers connected to each other through these channels. And then you have another group of centers connected to each other through different channels and they're not connected to each other. So it almost might feel like you're of two minds, if you will, where like part of your energy is over here, part of your energy is down there and they're not communicating with each other. So you might even feel a little bit torn sometimes in terms of like what to listen to because you've got energy kind of separated but also equally powerful in your chart. So you both have this thing called the channel of awakening um, which I think, you know, for the podcast that you guys have created, it totally makes sense and totally works. It's about living each life and living each moment of your life, like in the present tense. It's about being in your body and being aware of what's happening and where you're going and really being able to speak yourself into existence to really like have your integrity kind of come out into the world. Cause you both have your throat and your self-centered connected through this, this channel. So it's basically like you see each moment as an opportunity to transform and as an opportunity to like take the right action that's going to lead you in that next path. And um, I was listening to one of your episodes a couple uh, days ago. I think it was episode two. We were talking about just a simple act of like your body told you not to, like you left your to-go cup at home and you were like, oh, I didn't, you know, this was the universe's way of telling me I shouldn't get a cup of coffee. Just like the fact that you go back over that and analyzed mm -hmm. and thought through like the way that that action took place. And like, so you understand that like every little thing that happens in the now is teaching you something. So it's this kind of wonderment at being alive and making those decisions that really align with your integrity and align with your bodily energy and allowing that to kind of express itself into the world. So it's like always having this self-awareness and this presence in your body to be able to kind of like evolve in a way that not everybody has that. And they get really stuck in these loops or these patterns and they almost need like someone to go to a therapist or go to a counselor to have someone else point those things out to them because they just can't see it themselves. Um, so again, such a, I was like such a perfect expression for, for especially because the your goal of your podcast. That's so funny. Yeah. The homework I always give people too is every single one of our gates is lives with a specific planet and that planet carries influence and it lives on a specific line of our hexagram, which also carries influence. So it's always interesting to kind of put all of those pieces together to see, oh, if it's in my son, it means it's a personality thing. And so, oh, and it's on my first line, which means I need to investigate a lot. So like, it's kind of like this weird kind of sandwich where we put all these different parts and pieces together. So we kind of can do the detective work to figure out where they're, they're embodying themselves in our lives. That's so cool. I love like the little details. You're making me really want to get my chart read so that I can, because those little nuances with the planets and the lines, like I haven't even kind of tapped into that in my own chart. Yeah. So that's really cool. It's like such an important thing to do. And I also love, like when I take people through their gates, I always take them through their fear gates and I let them know whether that center is open or closed because if it's a closed center, that's a fear you're going to have regardless of who's around you. But if it's an open uh, center, that fear is going to be activated by specific people because they have that center defined, or maybe they have the other end of that channel and it make it amplifies, it makes it even worse. So it's interesting to kind of like protect our energy in that way to get a sense of like, well, where are we really vulnerable and not saying we like hermit ourselves off and don't ever deal with those people. Like we're meant to interact with them and we're meant to learn something through that fear. Um, 
And something just to kind of note, Tess, about your chart is you actually have two centers with zero definition in them at all. You have no gates activated. They're completely open. And it's your head and your mind. So those two centers, like you are so prone and open to other people's conditioning there because you don't have anything grounding you kind of in your own body. So that's a, it's a beautiful thing. It's something you want to protect because there's like a purity there. But there's also an, just being aware where you're taking in other people's energy in that way. Yeah, yeah. I, can, I can feel that. I understand that. <laughs> But it's just interesting because I went through your charts and I kind of put your gates next to each other and you have some of the same gates activated too, which is really interesting. Um, like you both have in your throat center, you both have these, uh, this gate of skills, which is all about mastering something at a really skillful level. So it's like, it's about what figuring out what's talent, what you're talented at and giving voice and expression to that in the world. And so you both have that gate activated, which was so interesting, again, coming together to do a podcast. I'm like, yep, that makes sense that they mm -hmm. have something they're both similarly skilled at and they found each other and they're both kind of bringing this out into the world. Um, and they, you both have gate 20, which is all about, you know, instantaneous clarity and action and kind of getting those downloads, those knowings, those pings about what's right for you and what's not right for you, like in the moment. Um, so yeah, so that, I mean, that's kind of how my readings go. I typically take people through their centers um, and we only, we kind of touched on yours because unfortunately right. we don't have like four hours to spend together. Sometimes I'm with a client. Right. Yeah. I try to kind of like my schedule typically is I book my readings an hour and a half apart, but like it takes as long as it takes. And so sometimes I'm on the phone or on the, the call with someone for three hours and cause they have a lot of questions and their charts really complex right. or sometimes it's an hour and a half and we're bing, bang, boom, and we're done. Right. Um, but I always try to leave as much space as possible for people to kind of answer, get those questions asked. But we start with the center's. Then we go into your type and your strategy. I make sure people understand their authority. Um, we go through the channels and the gates and I point out where, where your fears kind of live, what things might kind of show up for you in terms of shadow, um, what planet they live with, what line of the hexagram they chill on, whether it's in an open or a closed center. And then we go into your profile and your incarnation cross. We skipped around a little bit for you guys because you have a bit of a background in this. Um, but it's always so interesting because I'm always checking in with people. What's resonating, what's not, what feels right. good, what doesn't. Because um, those are the places we want to kind of if it doesn't resonate, that's the perfect place to start to figure out like, well, what conditioning am I taking in or how am I acting in the world? Because places, even if you don't have, say you had your root center defined, that has to do with stress and time management and pressure. You could have taken in things through an open mind center about learning that are influencing the way you're expressing your closed root center. So everything is so interconnected right. that it's so interesting to kind of do that unpacking of the chart yeah. on your own. Um, so a couple questions about your readings, like just kind of for our listeners, especially because we have this awesome promo code if they want to get their reading done. Um, so I imagine, do you do them over like Skype and phone call and in person? Yeah. I use, um, so typically I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. And so it's not as, um, try and say this in the gentlest way possible. We're not a very woo <laughs> area. So, uh, it's not an area where there's like a big, you know, it's it, about places like LA, New York city. There's a lot of people who are doing spiritual work who are kind of thinking and okay. attacking. like Phoenix is just not like that. So if people wanted to do it live or in person, I would hundred percent be there. I think it'd be great. Um, I'm doing it for all of my girlfriends right now. I'm like, I need to tell you about your design. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I typically use zoom because it's a really great way I can record audio and video of the call. And so right. when people, after they work with me, I send them a big Dropbox folder with the audio of our recording, the video. They've got their chart analysis. They've got supporting docs. I tend to send journal pages around open centers. So you can start the work of unpacking where you're taking in other people's conditioning. Eventually, I'm going to be able to send like journal prompts around the gates and the fear gates. So you can start working through those as well. Because the, the work isn't the reading itself. The work happens after okay. the, the reading. Right. Like yeah. I can give you your map, but then you decide what to do with that map. Yeah. And absolutely. how you want to work through it. So yeah. Okay. Awesome. Good to know. Um, and so do people generally 
or do they ever like follow up for like second readings or like 100%. consistent readings? It's, it's funny because your chart's not going to change, but sometimes it's helpful right. having a thought partner that can right. go through it with you. Cause okay. So maybe you've been trying to live your responding strategy or say you're a projector and you've got a lot of, cause poor projectors out there, there's so much confusion about and misinformation about how they're supposed to kind of use their strategy or understand their authority or whatever it was. They, a lot of times they end up in this state of like arrested development where they think they can't take action on anything. And so a lot of times I get projectors coming to me going, okay, here's my scenario. And I'll walk them through, okay, how do you get the recognition? And where do you, how, what an invitation could look like. So I can thought partner with people around like using human design as a lens for a specific really? scenario they're working through. Um, but a lot of times what happens is I do this reading. It's two, three hours long. Sometimes, I mean, at the worst three hours, typically it's about an hour and a half to two. And then everyone's like, this is a lot I have to process. So yeah. they go back through their chart. They do the unpacking, they'll journal, they'll talk to a friend or whatever their process is. And then they'll come back later and say, okay, I've got a list of questions now. So we pull up and I always offer follow-up readings to people who want them. And we go through specific questions about their chart. Um, but we can do that as many times as you want. Cause I recognize like in this experiment, there's so much to gain from it that sometimes it takes a couple passes. I know for me, like, even though I do this on a daily basis for other people, I'm still unpacking my chart. Like I'm still yeah. doing the work. And like every time, for example, I have the incarnation cross of the garden of Eden. I understand it better. Every time I read for someone who has that and I see how it like ripples and impacts into their chart, it makes much more sense how it's expressing in my chart as well. So like this, I don't think the work is ever done. I think the work ends when we end. So, um, it just, it, there's, it can be a lifelong process of understanding the way, because the way a fear gate plays out today, it may have played out very differently 10 years ago, and it might play out in a very different way 15 years from now. So it can be an ongoing process and ongoing work. Awesome. Um, and then the other question I had was, do you, so traditionally before a reading, do, do you prefer if your clients like follow along with a physical, because it is such like a visual map? Do they have that like while you're doing the reading or just? Sometimes they, yeah, sometimes they will. A lot of people have at least heard about it before and have run their chart somewhere. So people okay. are typically coming to me with that primary knowledge of like where, you know, they know they're a generator or they know their head is defined or whatever it is, but they don't know what that means. So what I'll typically do is, and it just, I don't want to overwhelm people. So it's, uh, it's their preference. If they want me to send in their analysis beforehand, I'll let them kind of go through it. Cause some people, like I have a friend, an old colleague who has the right angle cross of planning in her chart and she needs to know, like she needs to know, she needs to plan for it. And so before I read for her, I sent it to her. Cause I was like, I know you're going to ask me for this if I don't give it to you beforehand, because you need to be, have all the information before you go into something. But typically I kind of gauge to see what's going to be more comfortable for them. And I'll either send it to them beforehand so they can follow along with me, or I'll share my screen and kind of walk them through. Cause zoom okay. allows you to do that. I'll show them. And I, I, cause again, the teacher in me wants to make sure everyone understands what the graphic means or where I pulled their incarnation cross from or how I knew they were this profile. And I'll kind of show them where it lives in their chart. Um, so that if they want to do the work later on their own, they can kind of go back through and reference. It's not like, um, Yogi Bhajan said something which really resonated with me. He's not here to create disciples. He's here to create teachers. And that so resonates with me on a soul level. I don't like what always always sat really uncomfortable with me is that sometimes in this space, we end up with these gurus, these people who make yeah. you feel like if you're not working with them, you can't do the work. Right. And I reject that on a whole, like on a complete, like that makes me, that's so ego and fear driven. So I want people to make sure that they know that like, you can do this work without me. And I want to give, that's why I try to offer the multiple pathways. Like if you are someone who is not in a, an economic situation to get a reading, cause they can get very expensive, even though mine are on the lower end of that scale. Um, 
I want you to have the tools to go through it for free on my blog. Or if you feel called to do this work and really dig in deeper, like my subscription service is like less than the cost of a fancy latte a month, because I know that people can find $7, whereas they may not be able to find 400 or 300 for a reading. Um, And even my readings themselves, I try to keep them a little bit more cost effective because I feel like self-care shouldn't be a luxury. Um, But again, however way you want to go at this work yourself, I want to give people the tools to do it and not say, I'm the only one with the tools. You got to come to me. Although I'm sure that would make my bank account very happy. I feel like just karmically, it doesn't sit well. That's the right thing. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Um, Cassie, do you have any follow-up questions that are hanging? Um, Not that I can think of. I feel like you've given a really good rundown of kind of what to expect, what you offer. I love everything you've had to say. It's made me want to dig into my chart again. So thank you. I also like Jacqueline Michelle, I have to say that like your analogies throughout this entire hour have been so insanely helpful because oh thank you I mean like when you when you think about it and because like you know like we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast there are so many words involved in human design and so many layers and like just so many intricacies that if you're not totally familiar with it even if you are a little you know like I've had conversations I've read a tiny bit not as much as Cassie but like you put it in terms where it's just like so easily digestible. And I appreciate that so much because especially in the wellness sphere, like some of the stuff, maybe this is just my open mind, but like it's some of it is just like so overwhelming sometimes just because there's so much information coming from so many different sources. And so it's so wonderful to be able to kind of just like, you know, digest it in, in layman's terms. So thank Thank you for that. No, I appreciate it. I'm like such a, one of the things I'm a one, three. And so I'm someone who has to investigate, make sense of something and then be able to share it with other people. And I do that. And like writing is a passion of mine and storytelling is. So I'm very like, my mind is always working in the way where it's thinking like, how can I most clearly tell this story? So the fact that it's landing with you and resonating with you, like makes my heart really happy. Thank you. That was like the best compliment you could have paid me. So thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so, so for all of our listeners, um, just going to kind of go over your, info again so contact info and then um promo if they want to get their chart analysis done by you which i highly recommend because even this just like little snippet of a chart analysis was so fun um and i would love to like dive deeper so again um this is jacqueline michelle she's been talking with us and um founder and creator of interior creature um so she does human design and analysis um, her Instagram is at interior creature. Her website is interiorcreature.com. Um, so, and like she was talking about earlier on her website, interiorcreature.com, you can find um, her blog, which, you know, like she said, if you don't want to pay to have anything done right now, like there are just free resources, excuse me. And then, um, you know, she has online courses that are a little bit smaller in price as well. So like lots to explore on her website. Um, and then if you want to contact her about anything, is it cool to give your email? I'm just, Oh yeah. I just out and about, right. Creature, yeah. It's creature at gmail.com. Like I love getting questions from people. Um, in fact, I do videos on my website every other Friday I call them AMA, like ask me anything. Like I'm stealing Reddit's little term, like AMA Fridays. And so I want, um, people to come to me because again, I remember, Um, And I know Cassie was sharing this too. When you first hack your chart, that thing is impenetrable. It's like, what does this mean? What is all this stuff doing? And so people constantly write me in questions and they're like, well, I'm trying to now analyze mine. And I, I, here's where I'm stuck. Here's this part I don't understand. So like, I want those questions from you. So I can kind of, I do videos um, every other Friday where I walk people through kind of the things that they're struggled with, struggling with or stuck on. Awesome. 
Yeah, that's incredible. So if you guys are interested in reading um, the code soul alignment, if you have an emotional authority and want to sift over <laughs> human design a little bit and see if the reading is right for you, you have some time. Um, I and reflectors a full month. Off. I'm sorry, yeah, I didn't get yeah. reflectors their full month to kind of go through their lunar cycle before they had a chance to like, had to click it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So code is soul alignment and you'll have, and you'll get 22% off your reading. Um, so that's super exciting. Thank you for doing that for us and for our readers, listeners, whatever. Of course. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate being able to talk to you guys. I don't know what it was when I, before you even launched your podcast, something about the energy between the two of you. I just really spoke to me. So I was really excited to be able to collaborate. Do you like how I, we had to use our emotional authority to where I was like, I got to wait. I don't know. It, was no, like, it sounds so I'm glad like you when you messaged, sacral was like, yes, yes, yep. this is cool. Awesome. And I like reached out to Tess and I'm like, but I'm going to like let the emotional wave ride for a little bit. You got to do Yep. And I, it was I feel like the timing was perfect. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of your wisdom thank you so today. Much for having me. All right. Well, thanks again, Jacqueline Michelle. Um, and again, you guys can find her at Interior Creature. And um, hopefully you guys get something out of this and get a little excitement from human design and maybe go get your chart read.